your partner's other partner gets sick and so then you use that as like well you can't see them for three weeks Mm -hmm. and if you've seen them or have been intimate with them or touched them like I'm gonna be punitive and like not touch you or kiss you or anything like that and I'm like don't just don't do that welcome to the multi-amory podcast i'm jace i'm emily and i'm dedeker we believe in looking to the future of relationships not maintaining the status quo of the past so whether you're monogamous polyamorous swinging casually dating or if you just do relationships differently we see you and we're here for you On this episode of the Multi-Amory Podcast, we're talking about how to stay healthy within your polycule, within your community, within your group of friends, within your family, whatever it is. Now, I do want to say up front here, we are recording this during this whole coronavirus thing. We're going to talk about that a little bit, but this is not an episode about COVID-19 or coronavirus. So if you're sick of hearing that sort of stuff, don't worry. That's not what this episode is about. Uh, however, if, you, if that is something that you're worried about, we are going to be talking about things that do apply. See, see there? It's like, it's not, it's not exactly about that. It's universally applicable stuff about wellness and health in our communities, especially with people that we're in close proximity with. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a good one. It's one that we've been meaning to do for a long time and we figured, well... Now's as good a time as any. See, the thing is that we were all into being healthy before the coronavirus thing happened. <laughs> oh, I see. Uh, okay. okay. Pat ourselves really, on the back here. Really into like hand sanitizer and hand washing before coronavirus was a thing. And now everyone's on the bandwagon. <laughs> um, no, funny thing is actually literally last week there was a new study released uh, about polyamorous communities and polyamorous people. Um, Specifically, the, the, the intention of the study was to try to find the origins of stigma toward non-monogamous relationships, um, huh, which okay. is really interesting. Cool. And uh, they found a variety of things. One of the things they found is that like the people who are more likely to be in consensually non-monogamous relationships are also less likely to be germaphobes, funnily enough. That makes sense. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I could see that. Yeah. Which totally makes sense because it's like if you're not weirded out by like kissing more than one person... You know, right. or I think holding that makes hands sense. with people, or yeah, any of that. Now, you would think that them, I mean, they found a number of other things also that, like, you know, people in consensually non monogamous relationships are more likely to be okay with casual sexual relationships and stuff like that. Um, so they found those things. However, part of like the stigma research was that they found that, like, even though on an individual level, someone's less likely to be a germaphobe or something like that, in practice, they tend to have actually very good, um, like, especially sexual health practices Mm, kind of because of that. So they're talking about how it's like interesting on an individual level. You can see someone who's more comfortable with casual sex or more comfortable with germs in general. And yet in practice, they don't do those things. And so it's kind of like in the gap is kind of where stigma comes essentially. And by by don't do those things, you mean don't do don't do risky behaviors in either case. Is that what you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, it's it's like this weird thing. That was thing a weird way to like, say that. Uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry. I do not have the text of the study in front of me. It's purely just coming okay. out of my brain um, in bits and pieces. Yes, that on an individual level, people in non-monogamous relationships maybe have the personalities of someone who is more likely to engage in risky behavior, and yet in practice, they often do not, basically. 
Interesting. Like, that they do take more risk they do management, take like more proactive risk, Yes, more okay. risk management actions. Um, huh. Wow. Yes, yes. There you go. Okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. Because the best clear, of both it's worlds. Clear as mud. <laughs> yeah. Clear as mud. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so we have a lovely friend by the name of Fee who has been on the show before. She has a great um, polyamoring blog, and also her podcast is called Polyamoring. And uh, she had this great blog entitled Health and Wellness in Polyamory. And so we really wanted to touch on a couple things today that she discussed in it, since it kind of pertains to some of the concerns that we have heard from our community uh, it, our community has been talking about the coronavirus some and sort of like just how it's affecting their day-to-day interactions with people, maybe going to play parties, doing things like that. And so when I was, you know, looking up stuff for this episode, Fee's blog came up and it was fantastic. I loved what she had to say about all of this. Yeah. So um, you pulled uh, this quote from mm-hmm. Fee's blog, um, which to give our listeners some context, this was a text that Fee received from a metamore um, talking about, you know, the, the challenges of dating multiple people and catching illnesses from each other and things like that. Um, and that her metamore texted her, you know, polyam authorities do tend to gloss over stuff like how to handle cold and flu season or to how to navigate changing dates and plans due to illness, how to support each other if illnesses take someone out short term and stuff like that. Um, and so I know that that was part of the inspiration for Fee to write her blog about health and wellness. Um, but let's let's dive into that. Why do you think that this is something that like the people who uh, the quote unquote polyam authority authorities, which I'm makes like, us who's sound, this authority? Like, sound, I know. Like, I was like, force. yeah, exactly. Well, we do we do joke about that. Like, yeah, the, yeah, the we board always of tell Yeah, the polyam yeah, exactly. board of directors. Um, yeah. <laughs> I definitely have some theories about why this is sometimes glossed over. But what do you give it think? to us? What no? What do you got? Please, by all means. Okay. Well, I think that we like people who talk about this stuff or make content about this stuff. We tend to put a pretty heavy emphasis on sexual health because. Right. For better or worse, that's the first thing that tends to come to most people's minds is like, what about the sex? Like, what about the STIs? You know, what are you going to do about that? And uh, but also people, you know, having just legitimate questions and concerns of how do I navigate this? How do I talk about this? So we tend to put a lot of emphasis on that. Um, I will say that like there's like one blog post from a couple of years ago entitled like the dark side of polyamory that is kind of this semi parody post illness right yeah it's about the fact that like oh yeah when you're in your polycule everyone gets sick at the same time and it really sucks and and i do think though that part of trying to manage stigma is not wanting to be like yeah germs get spread (laughs) you know (laughs) like like, yes we really are the awful horrible uh filthy bacteria ridden petri dishes that you think that we are and so all your stigma is justified so i think that's why people are like no yeah colds and flu is like whatever people deal with it and and there isn't a lot of content out there that's specifically about like hey we do have to think about this and manage this stuff yeah but that's the thing in like any community any community that's super close-knit i mean i'm in a play right now and a ton of people are sick including myself because we are in such close proximity to each other This show gets very sexual at times, and there's a lot of, like, kissing and drinking out of glasses on the stage and all this crap. And I'm like, yeah, no wonder we're all sick. It makes a lot of sense. But that is the question, like, how do you kind of support each other when something like that comes up? And how do you sort of prepare yourself for the inevitable when you might get sick from other people or, you know, 
I don't know, do you do you what do you do in order to make that not happen? Yeah, I think with this question of, you know, why do people gloss over it? And then also, you know, why do do the authorities, why does the board of directors gloss over this? (laughs) And then also, um, what I always like to do is to look at what are other kind of analogous situations to look at where we do talk about this so that we can apply it, right? Like, like when you think about metamors, like you think about in-laws or something, right? That there's kind of like ways of being like, well, what's the closest relationship I could think of, it's like that. And when I think about a polycule specifically, the thing that comes to mind for me is a family. And it's kind of the same thing, right? Your kid and your family oh, totally. get sick, they come home and then everyone gets it, right? You know, brother and sister and mom and dad, every, you know, who, right? Everyone gets the sickness. And what's interesting about that, though, is it's also a thing that doesn't get talked about a lot within families. There's kind of this assumption that oh, well, whatever, you know, you're, you're in that family. So if everyone gets sick, you're just going to get sick or you just need to take care of them and, and hope that you don't. Like, like there's not a lot of people, I think, in any context, really talking very matter-of-factly about it, just illness and wellness and, and not spreading things if you can help it. Uh, so yeah. that's one. But then on that same note of thinking about families, I know that there are some families I know where it's like that. It's like one person gets sick and then everybody gets sick. And I also know some families where that doesn't happen. And I do think, and we'll get into this more in the second half of the episode when we talk about like real practical day-to-day things that you can do uh, to help both not get things, but also to not spread things. Um, but but anyway, I, th- I do think there's a variety there. And I think the same is true with close groups of friends or with polycules or things like that. It's depending on, there are coworkers. things you can do to to affect that risk, you know? Yeah. I'm- and coworkers. Yeah, exactly. So we're going to discuss three different topics that she talked about within that text that she got from her metaphor, metamor, not metaphor, <laughs> <or> metaphorical <laughs> she, she metaphor. She metaphorically got this from her metamor. <laughs> exactly. No, I think she actually did get it. But uh, so the first one's going to be how to navigate changing dates and plans due to illness. So Fee does talk about some of these things in her blog post. Again, go back and read that. But we wanted to kind of touch on each of them and speak about each of them. Uh, so some of these are from my brain. Some of them are from Fee's. Just wanted to point out that, yeah, Fee did inspire me a lot when doing this. So thank you again. Uh, so if we are going to navigate changing dates and plans due to illness, so some things to ask yourself might be, is the date going to be changed to a later time if you you or your partner gets sick? Are you going to have something like a makeup date? Is it just going to be a wash? I know when I was dating multiple people, like I generally would have, okay, like a couple nights a week or one night a week would be with a certain partner. And then, you know, if that night just ended up like going away, then you might ask, have to ask the question of like, what happens then? Right. I think this especially comes up when people do have somewhat rigid rules in place, Mm -hmm. even if they call them agreements, if they're kind of rigid, where it's like, you only get Wednesdays with that partner and everything else has to be with me. That in situations, in situations like this, especially if you haven't had this conversation beforehand, it's like you just said, it's like, well, what happens then? Do, do I just not get to see them at all? Does it get to be scheduled for another time? What, you know, what's the deal? Are, We'll get to this a little bit more later, but like, are they allowed to come over and help yeah. take care of me while I'm sick? You know, there's there's lots of things that 
it can be hard to have that conversation when you're feeling shitty and sick or feeling sad that your partner canceled on you, uh, you know, on, on both sides too. Maybe you're the one who got canceled on because they're feeling sick and maybe you're the one who has these strict rules in your relationship. And now you're like, well, can I accommodate that or not? We have to have a conversation yeah. about it. So I do yeah, think I mean, it's worth that's... addressing. Yeah. Absolutely. That's something to talk about and something that hopefully will be brought up with all of this going on, just because people may not have thought about it beforehand. Uh, So along those lines, do you go to things like play parties or events with multiple people um, if you are ill or if your partner is ill, if you have been around people that have been ill? Is that something that you're going to go to and take that risk? So we did have a thread in our Facebook community um, our multi-amory patron-only group about this topic specifically, like, have you seen events canceled or play parties or things along those lines? Has that changed at all because of the, you know, scare around COVID-19? So that was kind of an interesting conversation. And a lot of people said, no, things are going on just as as normal. You know, that's that's not something that is really being thought about at this point. Can we, um, I would like to envision a future, <laughs> sorry, I'm cracking myself up just thinking about it. I want to envision a future where we're teleconferencing to our play parties more frequently. <laughs> oh, teleconferencing. <laughs> wow. I'm sure someone's done it. I'm sure someone's done I, it. I mean, I know there's like cam rooms and like chat rooms where people, you know, cam and stuff like that. But I just, I don't right. know. I'm just thinking about the like, you know, like a, a in-person play party event that's canceled due to, you know, fears of coronavirus or stuff like that. But instead <laughs> we have the proxy that is like a big old like Zoom room full of people just doing it. Writing about? Like, you know what? Yeah, no. like on the camera. <laughs> what are you envisioning here? What I love about this is because, yeah, like you said, that's like chat roulette was that, <laughs> you know, but whatever. Gosh. There's, oh, God. there's yeah. things like that where it's just like camming in a room. But what I think is interesting is if you did it and structured it like a play party and that you had like social areas, you had social areas as well as little private rooms and you tried to like virtually structure that same sort of thing. That's interesting. Honestly, I'm sure it probably already exists. I don't think the three of us are like super connected to that particular world enough to know of it, but I'm sure someone's already done it. Like the the Zoom conference version of a play party event. Yeah, that's true, though. I'm also realizing now that that many years ago, I've probably been to stuff like this, but in Second Life, Uh, (laughs) you know, okay, because then you actually have rooms that your avatar can walk between and and interact with people. So Uh, then you got to pay for those animation packs and stuff like that. But Uh, well, yeah, I it has made me wonder, like, is uh, are the big conferences like polyamorous conferences that happen every year, are those going to just end up being more, you know, online so you go and you go go into a giant zoom room or something and like watch somebody do a talk and then that's it instead of having to actually get together there has been a push for that i have seen there there Mm -hmm. have been a couple online conferences now particularly more for like making just it accessible to people who can't necessarily get out of the house or can't afford to get out of the house or can't afford to go get a hotel room somewhere or have special like accessibility needs that are just better met via like teleconferencing things like that yeah, I think it does. It's an interesting point to be made that like, what is the meaning of community? Does it mean that you need to all get together and actually like be in physical proximity with one another? Or can you actually have a community when you are 
I don't know, just sitting there on uh, on your computer and like talking to someone the way that we're talking right now. Right. Like, is that still community in a way? Yeah, I think as far as the online community thing goes, kind of like came up in uh, our episode with um, with uh, with Andy talking about mm-hmm. restorative justice. But we we also talked about how a lot of the online community platforms, Facebook specifically, are not set up to truly like foster the supportive type of community that I do think you can get in, in person Mm. gatherings more easily. Uh, and instead is kind of set up to reward controversy or just sort of talking at other people about something or, or arguing even. So I do think that that idea of doing something that's accessible online is interesting. And I think the same thing as this sort of play party analogy of like, what if you tried to take, all the things that make up a play party and include that, like all, all the parts of it, not just the play part in your online version of it. I think the same I would say would be true of these things is like, if you're going to go that direction, make sure there's also ways for people to connect in other ways, like do what you can to foster as much face-to-face interaction, like in video groups or have a sense of like interactivity and that you're sort of included in something and I know there's platforms out there, and this episode isn't about how to make your conference be online. Uh, but I do think it's worth it's <laughs> worth thinking about one. that. <laughs> yeah, it's worth thinking about that. And I think we'll we'll get to it a little bit in our bonus episode for this one when we're talking about like our favorite sick day activities. Is mm-hmm. similarly like how it's possible to not be with people but still feel close to them uh, and things yeah. like that. Yeah. So finally, in this one, we wanted to ask the question: How do you support your partner? If it's another partner whose plans got canceled. So, for example, I mean, if, if you are in a hierarchical setting and say like Jason Dedeker are together and I get my plans, you know, canceled because I'm sick with Dedeker. So how does Jace help her and me, the you know, make those plans happen again in the future or at a later date? So like, do you give them a little leeway? Do you try to keep your own pan- plans as best you can? What happens within those settings? Yeah, well, that's another question to ask because I know something that I see a lot of couples do starting out is kind of like, okay, well, when you go out on a date, I go out on a date. Mm-hmm. Um, but if your date cancels, then you have to cancel your date also, you know, exactly. or, or things like that. And and just just talking about that ahead of time, you know, even it doesn't even have to be sickness related, but just like if your date cancels, what happens? You know, do we proceed as planned? Do we need to do anything different? I mean, I think the ideal would be if you committed to a date, still go on your date or whatever, but like having that conversation, cause it's probably likely going to happen. Yeah. And it's a balancing act too, because on the one hand, I find, you know, when you do have good communications with all your partners and metamors are supportive of each other, you can have a situation where it's like, I have a date with a different person planned on Friday, but you know, Dedeker has to cancel on Tuesday because she's sick. I talk to mm-hmm. the one on Friday and say, like, this is Dedeker's only other day off. She's hoping she's better by now. If you're flexible, could we move ours to a different day? You know, there can kind of be this chain reaction of scheduling changes that can happen. Yeah. But you can also get yourself in a situation where, especially if one person has a more like volatile schedule than the other, where then someone can start feeling kind of put out or taken for granted or like their commitments aren't being honored. So there is sort of this balance between 
like the beauty of flexibility, but also like remembering to be respectful and be understanding of other people's time and their, and your commitments to them. Absolutely. You know, and maybe that does mean, unfortunately, you just don't get to see that partner this week. Like maybe that is the right answer. I'm not saying that one or the other is always going to be the right one, but you gotta, you gotta look at that balance. Yeah. Being flexible is definitely a necessity in yeah. times like this or just in any time where maybe there's an illness going around. Yeah. Yeah. So, and and right, this, this also applies, I would say, not just in polycules. I do want to keep like this. None of this conversation oh, yeah. is really just specific to polycules. Like certain things tend to come up more often in that, like, you know, like these rules or agreements and hierarchy and stuff like that. But it takes place other times where it's like, this is my one day a week. I get to see my friend and we have to cancel, you know, the same stuff applies. So, mm-hmm. okay, right. Yes, Emily, let's move on to the next topic here. So this is about how to support each other if, if someone that you care about is sick, right? Whether this is a friend or a family member or, or something like that, right? Someone you would actually want to be involved in taking care of. <laughs> so the first one that we have here is offering to bring over wellness supplies, Now, this is one that, like, I can't think of very many times that people have done this for me, but when they have, it has been huge. Because if you're sick, you know, you've got a sore throat, you've got a cough, whatever it is, you might not have all of the cough syrup that you want at home, or you might not have your lozenges, or you might run out of your vitamins or something like that. And... It is this kind of like, well, I need those things. I could order them online, but they might take a couple of days to get to me. And like, I need to take them right now. I don't really want to get dressed and go outside, go to the store, potentially get other people sick to get those things. Mm-hmm. It is really nice to have someone come in and bring that to you. So I'd say that's a very sweet thing. And if I'm sick, you know, think, think about that as an option. <laughs> I guess. I've definitely done this for people. I can't imagine that I haven't at least done it once for you. No, I think you have. Yeah. 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 Maybe when we live together, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, probably. Probably sometime during that time. Uh, Okay. The next one here is helping out with small tasks around the house, such as, you know, it could be anything as big as like taking their car to the shop if they have an appointment for that. Or just like taking out the trash or doing the dishes if you're over. Bonus benefit of doing the dishes is lots of soap on your hands, washing your hands a lot, keeping the place cleaner so you're less likely to get sick. Yeah. Um, But, you know, like running errands, bringing something to the post office, stuff like that. Uh, And a good hack for this, I think we covered this on our episode on loss, on supporting a partner through loss, is rather than just asking the person who's sick, hey, is there anything I can do for you? Because, like, honestly, in our culture, the polite thing is to be like, no, no, it's yeah. okay. Yeah, like, that's, no, that's just thank you for what you've done. You know, maybe maybe the no is correct. Maybe they really don't need you to do anything. It's going to be more effective if you ask something like, hey, can I do your dishes for you? Hey, can mm. I do your laundry for you? Hey, can I, I'm going to go to the store. Can I bring something back for you? You know, like, actually offering something more specific makes it a little bit easier for people to receive help if it's kind of more like your idea rather than putting it yeah. on them to ask for something. Um, so that's something to think about if you're supporting a partner, a metamor, a family member through illness. That's great. Yeah. I found recently hanging out with um, my one of my best friends and his wife who have a 10-month-old baby right now uh, is that if I ever am over at their place and I ask like, oh, is there anything I can do to help you know get set up for dinner or, you know, whatever it is that we're doing, if I see that they're kind of running around, the answer is always 
no, 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 we're fine. Have a seat. You're a guest. But if I just do stuff, it's usually received, especially after like the most recent time I was over there and I just like cleared my own place and like washed off my dish uh, that she was like, oh my gosh, like, thank you for every time you're over being so helpful. Oh. Like it was oh, something that really lovely. meant a lot to her because I just did it and took the initiative. And I think that definitely applies here as well. Yeah, that's great. All right, our next one is calling or texting or messaging. You know, it depends on how much this person likes receiving calls. I know sometimes if I'm sick, I'm like, nah, leave me alone. <laughs> Don't talk to me. Uh, but other times it is nice to just hear someone's voice, especially if you're sick in bed for a while, where you start to really get that, like, I've just been sitting here on my phone for days now, uh, that it is nice <laughs> to actually talk to people. Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, this one's this one's nice. And one thing I will add to this is to check in, but also maybe go a little bit out of your way to send them random funny things or just random, like, have little discussions so every conversation you have isn't about how are you feeling. Because that can also get really tiring if someone's sick for a while. It's like all anyone Terrible. talks to me about ah. is how sick I am. Yeah. <laughs> And the last one that we want to talk about in this section of taking care of someone kind of goes along with the the uh, second one about little small tasks or errands and things like that is making sure their pets are taken care of. Specifically, uh, like if the dog's been walked, uh, you know, cleaning out the cat box. Um, but just the dog thing, if it's like you see them kind of trying to drag themselves out of the house, you could be like, oh, you know, I'd love uh, to really big take one. the dog out. That'd be great. Right. That could be a big load off for them. Just like clearing your dishes or, or whatever it is, you know, yeah. and make sure the pets are, 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 are petted. I think that's the oh, most yeah. important yeah. task really. Water is... bowls that they have like <laughs> water in their bowls or even yeah. if like they need a, some more food or, or more cat litter or something along those lines going to get that. Yeah. That's those great. Those are important. Yeah. And you don't want to really drag yourself to the grocery store or to the pet store when you're yeah. sick. Uh, yeah, I will definitely just come out there and say I'm bad at this part of caring for a partner. Um, like, I don't know why I just, I've definitely found that like people in my life uh, run a a gamut, you know, that I've seen in my experience of like, there's people who like the caretaking thing is just comes very naturally to them. And for some people, not so much. Mm. I've been trying to dive into my own family of origin to figure out like, my narratives around getting sick uh, and taking yeah. care of people. It's something that Gottman's actually talk about is that like, oh, really? Yes. That like the ritual around when someone gets sick, whether mm-hmm. that's your partner or your child or whatever, it's like, that's important to talk about with your partner because that is something that can be very different depending on your family of origin. You know, like yeah. how do we care for people when we get sick? Because honestly, I think I came from a family where it was kind of like, I'm going to set, <laughs> I'm going to set the cough syrup outside your door and then I'm going to go around and disinfect all the surfaces um and yeah that's i have how heard i respond today <laughs> i have heard dedeker that like your first response is just to go and like disinfect everything like the doorknob and the like all the surfaces Light and switches. everything if yep. jace gets sick yep. Yep. yep yeah pretty much uh so uh honey i am thinking about that and uh trying to get better <laughs> <laughs> right and in my family like a big one was specifically making beverages for the person who was oh, yes sick. we did talk about that you talked about the beverage we thing. talked about this you at other radar like, i think <laughs> was that it, what is it yours is like orange soda or like sprite and what it's is sprite, it sprite, sprite, sprite and, and orange juice, juice? yes that's what it okay, okay or that's seven it. up <laughs> and orange juice those mixed together was like the drink my mom would make and i would only ever have it when i was sick and it <laughs> so was funny. You know, the idea is it's something delicious that then gets you to be drinking enough, uh, you know, liquids while you're sick. 
It's, yeah. it's also a lot of sugar, so I don't drink maybe as many of them as I did as a kid. But it yeah. is something that's really nice to, to have if I'm not feeling great. Um, and so, yeah. So stuff like that, though. Talk about, like, what are, what are some things that to you mean being taken care of? And how yeah. can, you know, and, and that for your partner so you can offer that to them. Definitely. Talk about your family of origins. Also talk about how <laughs> sickness was dealt with when you right. were growing up. Because um, right. that can definitely offer some clues. Uh, last section we're going to talk about here before our ad break is, you know, how like the logistics of really talking about, you know, handling cold and flu season in a multi-relationship setting. So things like, are you going to get a flu shot? How do you feel about flu shots? Is that something that we all agree to do? Like, you know, me and my partner, my metamore, we're all, all going to go and get a flu shot, you know, at the beginning of That's flu it. season just yeah. to be careful and just to have some solidarity uh, asking questions like, do you have people in your polycule or a metamore or someone in your life connected to you who is immune compromised? You know, that's also something very important or a parent. Exactly. Or a child, you know, that, that stuff that's really important to know about because even if you and your partner and your partner's partner and your other partner, whatever, even if everyone has a super healthy immune system, they may have people attached to them who do not. And so we need to think about those people too and still have some compassion and care. Um, yeah. Thanks yeah. for Fee uh, reminding me of that one because, yeah, it, it's something that I don't always think about. It, it is like very easy to just think about yourself and then maybe the people like just to the right and left of you, mm-hmm. like the people that yeah. you see every single day, but not necessarily like their family members or their metamors or other people along those lines as well. Yeah, totally. I mean, this has been on my mind recently when I was up in Mm -hmm. Seattle with my mom, like wanting to be extra careful because of her. Whereas now that I'm in LA and I'm just in a house with other people who are in their 20s and 30s, now I'm like, whatever, I don't have to worry about it. (laughs) Whatever, I'm going to roll around in the dirt. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Um, Kind of related to what we were talking about earlier is like, is there policy around helping to take care of those who are sick? Like, is that related to the relationship structure that, you, that you're in? Like, does hierarchy influence that? I can share a personal story about that, that honestly, like way back in the day when I was in much more strict hierarchical relationships, there was one time when like a partner of mine, like my primary partner, went like to a doctor's appointment with another partner, like to help mm. support her and take care of her. And at that time, I was really upset by it. You know, mm. because to me, it's I was like, this intimate. does, yeah, this is too intimate. This does not fit into the hierarchy. Like, you know, like going to a doctor's point with someone that's, that's, yeah, that's like, like, that's a primary partner activity. And I have a monopoly on all the primary partner activities. Um, mm-hmm. Where I am now, I'm like, yeah, of course. Like, you know, your partners go support them, like, go take care of them when they're sick or, or, you know, go to the doctor's appointment with them or stuff like that. But, that was something that back then we didn't talk about ahead of time. Mm. You know, we didn't talk right. about yeah. the feelings that that brought up or what that meant to us. So that might be a conversation to have with your partner. And I will say both from my own experience and the experience of uh, one of my friends who, who both of us had doctor visits last year. His was more of an emergency and mine was more voluntary. But we had doctor appointments where at the time we each had two partners and both of those partners came with us to each of our appointments. And it was this really touching, like, wow, I, I do really feel cared about and, and loved and that my partners came together to support me in yeah. this. It, it's like really nice, especially if you're there because you're really sick or something. It really means a lot. Yeah, definitely. I think we both, 
went to a Dedeker appointment too. Once upon a time, oh, yeah. I remember yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I drove you back, all of <laughs> right. us back to yeah. from that. Yeah, that was fun. Oh, that was it great. is nice. Yeah. That was great. I love that. It's lovely. Yeah. yeah. Um, and again, questions around policy and protocol. If you get sick, if your partner gets sick, if your metamor gets sick, stuff like that. Like, is our protocol going to be? We just kind of stay away from each other until someone gets better. Um, I wrote down the question uh, to ask yourself, um, are you going to weaponize this shit (laughs) stuff that we like to talk about on this podcast? Because unfortunately, that is something that I have seen weaponized the same way that I think sexual health concerns can get weaponized, which is this idea of, you know, your partner's other partner gets sick. And so then you use that as like, well, you can't see them for three weeks. Mm -hmm. And if you've seen them, or have been intimate with them or touch them like I'm going to be punitive and like not touch you or kiss you or anything like that. And I'm like, don't just don't do that. Like, sure, take actions to protect yourself. So like if you know that your partner's partner is sick, maybe you do take the action of like, okay, well, I'm going to disinfect some surfaces and I'm going to hug you, but maybe not kiss you for this week until it seems like things are okay. Like that's okay. But if it's coming from a place of like being punitive or wanting to punish your partner, it's like really just get real with yourself and honest with yourself about um, whether or not you might be weaponizing your health concerns. Um, yeah. And another thing, as Fee does point out in her blog post, that these are questions that also can be asked about your boundaries with sexual health, with STI status and things like that as well. Great. So we're going to move on now to talking a little bit about about coronavirus, COVID, this also could apply to any kind of thing that's on the news a lot that a lot of people are very scared about. We want to get into protecting your mental and emotional health during those sorts of things. And then we're going to end with some just sort of concrete best practices about how to keep yourself and the people around you healthy. Uh, But before we do that, we're going to take a quick moment to talk about our sponsors for this episode so that you can help support us get involved with some cool products uh, and then also help support this show and keep this going and make this available to everyone for free. For a long time now, we've been fans of adamandeve.com for getting sex toys or lingerie or accessories, things like that. It's just a fantastic resource with a huge selection And now, not only do we have a fantastic offer, but we also have a promo code that will work on adammail.com and evestoys.com, which are their site specifically for LGBTQ audiences. And our code is fantastic. It's 50% off of almost any item in the store and free discreet shipping when you use our code MULTI. Yes, we love adamandeve.com and have for years. They are our oldest and longest sponsor, and they just keep on giving great gifts to us and to our listeners. You can bring more pleasure and satisfaction into your bedroom by going to adamandeve.com, adammail.com, or evestoys.com and select any one item. It can be, you know, an adventurous new toy or anything you desire, something fun, something sexy, whatever sounds good. So just enter offer code MULTI at checkout and you'll get 50% off almost any item plus free shipping. That's MULTI, M-U-L-T-I at adamandeve.com, adammail.com or evestoys.com. This is an exclusive offer that is specific to this podcast and it's better than any offer that is currently available on their site. So again, use code MULTI to get you not just the 50% discount, but also the 100% free shipping. Code M-U-L-T-I. All right. So let's just talk 
briefly about the elephant in the room, which is the coronavirus, because it is on a lot of people's mind right now. I know, Dedeker, you've said that clients have talked about it. People are talking about it on the news. When I'm like serving people at work, they're talking about it. Um, I've been pretty sick recently, so it's something that has been on my mind. Uh, and yeah, I mean, our community also, our multi-amory Patreon community has been speaking about this and posting articles like debunking myths, also like things that they're hearing from various healthcare providers, etc. So things will probably be okay. The majority of people do recover from this and are totally fine or get a very mild case, but it is kind of important just to talk about some of the fears that people are having. So, Dedeker, you wanted to start off with the mental health regarding all of this as well. Yeah, How people can, like, stay mentally healthy during this fearful time. Yes, because I do think since it's just, I mean, by the time this episode comes out, who knows how things are going to feel or what's going to happen. But as of the time of recording, it's just, like, feels like it's coming from all angles and it's hard to escape and everyone's talking about it. And so it can be really easy to feel really anxious, to feel really overloaded, to feel sick of it, to feel frustrated, to feel scared. Like, it can bring up a lot of emotion. And I definitely found that I feel like almost no official sources are talking about your mental, emotional health in the midst Mm. of all this. And I understand that it's, like, physical health. You know, physical health is the number one thing to be thinking about when people are worried about a virus, but your mental and emotional health is also really, really important in the midst of all this. So a couple things to bear in mind that it's totally okay to take a break from social media, whatever your social media of addictive choice is, it's okay to take a break and let yourself just not scroll so often. You know, my partner, Alex, specifically put a filter on Twitter. You can do, you can filter out words on your Twitter feed. So he like put a filter. So anyone mentioning coronavirus specifically would get filtered out. Um, You know, so it's like, that's okay. If you want to carve out a space for yourself where you're not thinking about this all the time, because the way that our news cycle works is that, especially with things like this, they really make it easy for you to be thinking about it all the time. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So take action, do what you got to do. It doesn't have to be a permanent break from social media. It could be a day. It could be a week. It could be a couple hours, you know, just whatever it is that you can carve out for yourself. Um, It's also okay to be discerning and selective in where you get your information from. You know, of course, I would definitely recommend uh, any place where you can go to kind of get like facts only without spin and without opinion uh, would be great. You know, that can be hard to find sometimes. Can be very hard. Yes, Uh, things like you know CDC website, World Health Organization website, maybe your local news or local health department if you need to stay updated on kind of what's happening in your locality provided that looking at the local news is not going to suck you down a rabbit hole. Um Yeah, that's one know. where I'm like hesitant to even suggest that uh, as something to look at. I-, I do know something that's been suggested to me in the past just about uh kind of mental health in general with news is to get your news from a written source rather than television and to just read through, you know, have like a certain amount of time each day. If you're someone who really wants to stay up to date on things, certain amount of time each day, you read through articles, you get it, you know what's going on, and then you stop and you don't do any more of it because Hmm. all of it is set up of like, they make more money the more time you spend consuming their content, whether it's a TV show, news program, or whether it's a website or whatever. So it's in their best interest, unfortunately, to keep you upset enough and keep you addicted enough to keep reading it and keep being worried about it. So then you keep coming back to check more information. 
Uh, so find what that is for you that, that lets less of that play on you, right? Whether that is just a quick reading thing or like I know uh, like uh, Google Home and Alexa and stuff have options for like, give me the five minute summary of the news or, you know, there's things like that that you can mm. find. So that, that might be a good option. Yeah. And then make sure that you're still taking the regular measures that you might take for caring for your mental health. So processing with someone that you trust and who has the emotional labor <laughs> available for listening and processing with you or talking to a therapist, doing art. Um, if you have regular medication, make sure you're still on your medication or meditating or just your usual self-care practices. You know, it's still really important, like even if people are panicking or even if it feels like everyone's talking about this, that you're still carving out time to take care of yourself and, and still prioritizing your mental health. Yeah. And then also, it is okay to have boundaries to tell people you'd rather not talk about it. Uh, I know that right now, it feels like all anyone can talk about at work or with my family or anyone. And it can sometimes feel like you can't without being rude. But just like with any sort of boundary, it can be a little bit scary to actually enforce them and, and protect yourself. But it's okay to do and it's actually a good thing right? Maybe they'll actually end up being relieved that you don't want to talk about it because they feel like they have to talk about it too, right? So it's okay to have that. And then part of that could be removing yourself from the situation. So maybe it means for a while, don't have your lunch breaks in the break room, go have them outside mm. or try to find somewhere else or listen to stuff on headphones or something like that to kind of remove yourself from the situation if you can. Okay. So, you know, I think we've all heard the the typical CDC guidelines a couple times now. Um, a lot of these guidelines that they put out are not necessarily like COVID specific. It's like, these are things that the CDC has been saying for years. Like I said, at the top of this podcast, we were all into <laughs> being hygienic and washing your hands and stuff before it was cool. I, um, I didn't ever wash my hands to the degree that you do, Dedeker. Like I, mm. I have to wash them a lot of work, but the fact that you say you're going to talk about like your hand washing regiment and mine is never that specific and that like long so i'm very impressed but yeah i didn't uh, honestly i was also kind of bad at hand washing until i started traveling honestly oh, that and makes then sense. traveling yeah. really shook up my priorities as far as like how i take care of my own health um yeah i mean and i never like i'm i'm sick right now and i know that i have not disinfected this house like uh, you would have and that's maybe not great so <laughs> i should perhaps think about something like that like all of the doorknobs all the time it's like do i do it constantly what do you do dedeker what do you do oh what do i do <laughs> honestly is it, I, is it like I every day love doing it i feel like oh marie Lord. kondo it's and maybe it's mostly psychological but i don't know it's super simple i just get like those those like alcohol wipes and mm -hmm. um every surface <laughs> like all right literally everything you know nooks and crannies doorknobs uh light switches i like my trick that i like to do is actually get several packs of disinfectant wipes and like put one in the bathroom one in the kitchen and like one in the living room so it's always there so it's just super easy like after you use the bathroom or before you use the bathroom to just like get the light switch get the doorknobs get the the toilet flush handle um and uh then go about your day. I don't know. I feel yeah. like a Disney princess, honestly, when I do it. You I don't feel I don't feel like a weird, like paranoid weirdo. No, I feel I, like that, Snow I'm not White suggesting that cleaning out I'm... the house or like Cinderella, like whistle while I work. Like I feel good and pretty. Yeah. And maybe that's weird. 
<laughs> no, I think I think that's great. I mean, hey, all right. It just it, because for someone like me also who really didn't take these things to heart until recently, like let's just throw out the CDC guidelines. Okay, because, hey, yes. Not throw yeah. them in the garbage, like, but let's talk no, about them and then throw throw it out there to them. our audience. Yeah. We're going to put then, them on the table, on the pre-sterilized, yes. disinfected table. Mm, um, exactly. Good, good. If you want to see nothing's on it. If you want to see a much more fun version of this, um, Vietnam's uh, uh, Vietnam Wait, put out. Was it Vietnam? Yeah, yeah, it was. It was the Vietnamese government the put yes put out a video uh, attached you, to a John really Oliver. wonderful pop song about uh. like you know, washing your hands and staying away from crowds and stuff like that. And it is great. There's a dance that goes along with it and it's fantastic. Um, I, anyway, I haven't seen this yet. Song. I need to check that okay. out. Oh God. Yeah, it's Jace, a good definitely song. go check it out. Um, There's a TikTok. Yeah. yeah. So yes, just clean your hands often. Um, wash your hands with soap and water for at least 20 seconds. Um, like doctors say that like it really is specifically the scrubbing action that does it. So it's less important to make sure that you have an antibacterial soap or stuff like that. Like normal soap is fine. Um, you know, wash, uh, sing happy birthday to yourself twice. Yeah, That's this a, is the thing yes. that Dedeker does that's so impressive to me. I'm like, <laughs> two times of happy uh, birthday? It's really not that long. And it's like, <sighs> happy birthday to me. It's great. You know, think of it as like a nice little thing. It's not your birthday, though. <laughs> no, it's funny. Dedeker got me doing it's this recently. It's my birthday, but... Yeah, Dedeker got me doing this also uh, a while ago. Again, we were doing it before it was cool. Um, but I did find at first, especially, I just constantly through my day would have happy birthday stuck in my head. I'm like, why do I have? Oh, right. It's because I'm singing it to myself every time I wash my hands. Um, yeah. So again, wash your hands after using the bathroom, blowing your nose, coughing, sneezing. When you come in after being, yeah, when you come in after having been out and about in a public place, you know, it's a really good habit to get into. Like I know Jace does this. Yeah, Yeah. I picked this up definitely after spending more time in Japan. Just like as soon as you come home, first thing you do is wash your hands. Um, Yeah, this this one was really interesting to me picking it up in Japan, and it's also partly the way that Japanese uh, homes and apartments tend to be set up, where you enter through the kitchen. And it's like the people that I would know, and I didn't know this at first till I actually went over to people's places, but it's like you walk into your house, you go wash your hands, and then you go, well, okay, you walk in, take off your shoes, yes. then you go wash your hands. <laughs> yeah. uh, and it's just that that's like a habit and a ritual to get into. And it is something that once I started doing it, it now just feels really nice. It's like, oh, I'm home and my hands are clean and I just feel like now I can kind of settle in and relax. Yeah. And something else that I do as well to kind of attach some self-care, maybe some indulgence to it, maybe some more Disney princess feels to it Uh um, is I also like to invest in like a nice Burt's Bees hand cream because when you wash Uh your hands a billion times, it does dry things out. And just like finishing up with that, like just you can make it nice. I think that most of us when we were kids were like forced to wash our hands by everyone and it turned into this like, I have to wash my hands kind of thing. But like you can make it real nice for yourself. (laughs) Just find some joy in the simple things. When I was yeah, a kid, I, sorry, <laughs> go ahead. No, go for it. No, I just was talking about this awesome aloe vera like hand uh, cream that nice. I have yeah. right now that works wonders. So See? go get some and <laughs> use it to your heart's desire. When yes, I was when I was a kid, my parents, you know, would you, if you went to the bathroom, you had to wash your hands, right? And 
I didn't good, like it because yes. like the water was cold or it was too hot or, you know, whatever. I was fussy about it, I guess. And what I started doing is I would just like run the sink for a little while and stand there so that they would hear the water running and think I had washed my hands. And then I would come out. Oh. And after I did this for a little bit, I kind of had this realization of like, oh, part of the reason I wasn't doing it is because I didn't want to take the time. And now I'm taking the time anyway. I might as well just wash my hands. <laughs> and then just started washing my hands. That's good. <laughs> it's just weird that that uh, it just seems like such an inconvenience when it's like, really, it's 20 seconds and it's kind of a nice little ritual. Yeah. Uh, and then also, uh, if soap and water are not available, you can use a hand sanitizer. Use one that has at least 60% alcohol in it. But I do think the wording of this one is worth noting, which is if soap and water are not available. And what that means is that hand sanitizer d is not a substitute for washing your hands. Uh, partly because of the scrubbing thing like Dedeker was talking about, but also like having the water and the soap and everything is going to do a much better job. Now, if you want to add hand sanitizer on top of washing your hands, that's also a good way to go. But just I just want to remind people that hand sanitizer is not a replacement. You could do it in a mm -hmm. pinch, but also be sure you're washing your hands. Um, and then to whatever extent possible is to avoid touching, quote, high touch surfaces in public places. So, right, things lots of people are going to touch, like... Like the handrail or yeah. the escalator rail thingy-wingy, <laughs> the doorknob. <laughs> thingy-wingy, yes. Elevator yes. buttons, uh, the, the railings on uh, subways, things like that, if you're taking public transit. Yeah. Uh, if you want a fun piece of trivia, I just learned that uh, this is high-touch surfaces in Japanese. The word is noko sashoku, which actually translates to like thick-touch surfaces. Oh. Ew. <laughs> I know. Those thick touches. They're thick with touching. Wow. I know, which yeah, is exactly. maybe a little bit more gross. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, but man. what did they say? They're like, use a tissue or your sleeve to cover your hand or finger if you must touch something. But yeah. also, I mean... Yeah, like, okay, I think about this when I have to put gas in the car, mm, and yeah. that thing is high touch, high thick thick with touch, <laughs> and so are the buttons, <laughs> and I don't know, do I just, like, bring a hanky with me all the time? Like, what's happening here? I don't know. Well, so this actually reminds or me just of... wash your hands afterwards. Yeah, that's what I was going to get to, is wash your hands. So it is something that... I think in the interest of trying to be more hygienic, people can actually create some pretty unhygienic situations for themselves. One example of that is the whole sneezing into your elbow instead of into your hand thing. While mm. if you're out somewhere where you can't wash your hands, that makes sense so that you don't want that on your hands where you're touching surfaces and things. However, if you sneeze into your hands and then you go wash your hands it's now taken care of. Whereas you sneeze into your elbow, how often it's do you watch your that elbow. sweater or whatever, right? So it's it's one of those things where it kind of depends on the situation. And I think with this too, where people will be like, ooh, that's gross. I'm going to like pull my sleeve over my hand and open the bathroom door with that. And it's like, how many times is that bathroom door now on your sleeve before you sure. clean it? So it is kind yeah. of this thing of of really think think it through and don't just go, oh, don't touch anything, but really... Try to think through the steps of what's really going to be more clean. And often the answer is to just wash your hands after that or to use a paper yeah. towel or a tissue or something that, that you're going to throw away. Yeah. So the last CDC guideline is something that I'm absolutely terrible at, which is avoid touching your face, nose, eyes, etc. 
<laughs> because I I was thinking about this the other day when I was at work and I'm like I have an itch I need to touch it I I'm my nose is running I need to like you know wipe it away or something I don't even know I have something in my eye I want to touch my eye like all of these yeah. things and it's terrible because I'm really bad at it yeah I so, really struggle with this one too yeah I just have I an itchy it, face no me too thank you of course. <laughs> I agree. There's just like, cra- like I want to itch myself or touch myself. I don't know. And so I'm not quite sure what to do about this one, except for the CDC says don't do it. I'll see. I'll maybe try to get better at it, but maybe just like have the cleanest hands ever and then you can touch your face. But if you do touch your face, then you need to wash your hands and vice versa. I don't know. What do you think, Jace? Yeah, this this is one that I remember really noticing for the first time when I was living in Russia for a little while, is that my host brother, I was staying with a host family doing a study abroad thing, and my host brother was really good about not touching his face, like to rub his eyes or to itch his eyes specifically is what I noticed it with. And he would kind of, you'd see him sort of like blink a little bit harder sometimes, like if his eyes itched. And that's what made me first start to notice it is he kind of had this weird blink thing that he would do. But I noticed he wasn't touching his face as much. And I was like, oh, and I did also just notice in general that in Russia, people that I knew at least were seemed to be a lot more mindful about that kind of just like everyday ways that you can get sick much more so than I was brought up to be. Uh, And I think some of that can be related to sort of, I think we sometimes have a bit of an American sort of cockiness about infection, thinking that, oh, well, it somehow doesn't affect me. Uh, And like, oh, if it does, I'll be fine because I'm a rugged individualist or whatever. Uh, And so it was something that I really noticed when I was there and, and since then tried to kind of bring that to mind of like, okay, I know it's possible to do so I can do this. I still really struggle with touching my face, though. How are are you on this one, Dedeker? Do you have any good tips for that? Uh, well, that actually kind of leads into our next thing and talking about masks. And I know that like there's a billion articles out there about like, should you wear a mask? Should you not wear a mask? Stuff like that. But that's my thing is I tend to only wear a mask when I'm on a plane and again, was doing it before it was cool. Thank you very much. (laughs) But, but I feel like that's the most effective thing is that it enables me to like scratch my nose through the mask instead of directly putting my fingers all over my nose or mouth or whatever it is, is that like that. But other than that, no, I'm terrible. I touch my face all the time. It's a way of life. Yeah. I mean, even yeah. the even the ideal best practices for using surgical masks is not to touch the mask either. So that is... Wow. I know. It's a bummer. But I do find, though, if I have one on, it makes me at least more aware of that. And so hopefully it's like adds a little reminder of like, oh, right, don't touch my face. To just kind of have that on makes me more aware of it. What if we all just used like that compressed air for cleaning out your keyboard? <laughs> just have a can of it with you and just <laughs> and just your spray face. yourself Discla- constantly. Disclaimer, I love do, that. Do not do that. That would be very dangerous <laughs> and very painful, but the image of it is funny to me. I, I have found, I do sometimes now, if my eyes are real itchy, like if I'm tired or something, I will sometimes go to the bathroom just to wash my hands so that I can rub my eyes guilt-free, wow. proud to be. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so... That one's hard. I don't have a ton of good tips for it, but just sort of gradually becoming more aware of it. And the more often you wash your hands, the less of a problem it is. Um, And then, yeah, we just wanted to say real quick about masks. Also, 
if you are sick and you have to be around people, please wear a mask. I know that in the United States and in, you know, Canada and a lot of Europe, it's people think it's weird to wear I've a mask. I've literally been bullied on an airplane because of wearing what? a mask. Yes. And then, again, before the coronavirus thing even happened, like I would wear masks on airplanes and yeah, literally bullied, stared at, harassed. Um, uh, it was a drunk person who like started this guy who literally was like touching me and like Ew. trying to grab me to like get my attention um, and harassing me because You're he like, thought do not like, touch he me. assumed <laughs> that if I'm wearing a mask, it must mean that I'm sick and I need to tell him what I'm sick with and stuff like that. I complained to the airline. They did nothing. So that was cool. Boo. Remember all those times when you're like, complain to the airline, they'll do something. I know. And it's ironic. I complain about there being duct tape in the bathroom. They give me all these airline miles. I complain about being harassed by a drunken fool and they do nothing. So Mm. priorities. That sounds about right. That sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry to hear that. So yeah, yeah, cultural differences aside. Yeah, do it. I like wearing them now. And uh, I wore one to rehearsal the other day when I was super sick and everyone looked at me strangely and I was like, this is for you, not for me, (laughs) for you. I have to be all up in y'all's faces and you don't want that shit. You don't. So Uh, that being said, please do not go out and panic buy masks like a bunch of people are doing. That's really not helping things. You're probably not even going to be able to find them. Well, even so, you know, that means that then people who are sick who do need to wear a mask, people who do actually need to wear a mask for work, have a harder time getting them. So don't be a jerk and hoard masks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Also, the thing with masks is if you are someone who's like, do they really work? Basically, the quick summary of, of the findings on that is masks are actually quite effective at preventing you from spreading something to other people. They're a little bit not terribly effective at stopping you from getting stuff from other people in a controlled test. But to go back to what I was saying before, I find when I wear one, I'm also just much more aware of of hygiene and germs and things like that. And so like when I wear one when I travel, if I'm not sick... I will still wear one on a plane and it just sort of keeps me thinking about it. So I'm more likely to sanitize my hands and wash my hands and things like that. So I think there's actually more benefit to it than some of that research Mm -hmm. would have you believe because they're literally just testing how many pathogens get through the mask and get onto the person. And, you know, that's why it's very effective at stopping you from spreading it to people. It's why surgeons wear them, because out of their mouth is all sorts of stuff that could infect someone. Uh, So anyway, it it is a good thing to wear, but especially if you are the one who is sick to protect other people. I've worn them to bed before with Dedeker when I've been Mm -hmm. sick. I would wear a mask to bed. Uh, It helped keep my nose a little more moist during the night and then also kept me from coughing as much all over her and keeping that more controlled. That's great. And she didn't get sick that time. And I didn't get sick, and I fell even deeper in love with you. (laughs) Oh, Oh, man. Okay, yeah, last thing, and this one's hard, but it's if you have sick days at your work, uh, take them if if you're sick, you know. Um, And if you are a boss who is able to give sick days, make sure you give them to people. Um, Yeah. You know, I know that especially in American culture, we're really used to thinking like, oh, if I just have a small cold or whatever, like I'm putting Mm. people out. If I'm not coming into work, it's going to be better for me to come into work even if I'm sick. And that is incorrect. You're not doing anybody any favors by coming into work when you're still sick. If you have sick days, take them, take care of yourself, things like that. Um, Now, that being said, not everybody has sick days. I don't have paid sick days 
actually, honestly, most people that I know uh, don't have paid sick days. Um, a lot of us are working part-time or working freelance or working in the gig economy or stuff like that. Um, so that it can definitely can be a privilege based on what your employment situation is. Something that I use that I find is really helpful for freelancers in general, there's this app called Catch um, that specifically like you link your bank account to it and you can tell it something like, hey, I want to be able to take four sick days and seven vacation days this year or whatever it is. It's purely, hmm. you know, you plug in how much you want, you plug in what your income is, and then it will essentially automatically deduct from your paycheck and just kind of put it into this separate account. Like whenever your paycheck comes through, it'll be like, okay, we'll take out 6% of your paycheck or whatever. Um, so that you can kind of essentially accrue almost like paid time off for yourself a little bit. You can take it out whenever you like, you know, so it's not stuck in there or anything like that. But I found that's been really helpful for me to encourage me to actually take time off when I am sick because it's like, okay, well, I have a little bit of chunk of change here so that at the very least, I'm not totally sacrificing income by choosing to not work today. Um, it's a great app. They do it also for retirement benefits, for health insurance benefits and stuff like that. But I find it's really helpful if you're freelance, if you're part-time, if you work at a job that doesn't have those kind of benefits and it's helpful to you to have something that's automating it and making it so that like it's just already taken care of kind of out of sight, out of mind, I really recommend it. Um, and that's, we're not even being paid by catch or anything like that. That's purely my <laughs> personal endorsement for the app. Right. Uh, and yeah, then- no, that's great. I did want to throw out there too, if if you're someone in a position, not even like you're the company owner or anything like that, but if you're uh, like a lead for your department or you're any kind of manager or something like that is to encourage your employees to take sick days, like not just to give them that option, but also to encourage it. Because uh, I think, again, we all have this mindset of like, I'm somehow doing the right thing and doing you a favor by coming in while I'm sick because I don't want to let you down and not do my work. And if you're coming into a workplace and then getting other people sick, you're actually costing everyone and the company more money to do that. So it's like really encourage your employees to do that. It's something I like about the visual effects company that I work for, that they've always been very good about if you're feeling at all sick our HR guy will always be like, yes, please, like, go take your sick day. We're happy to pay you for it. Like, go take your sick day. Go be at home. Feel better. Don't get anyone else sick. <laughs> right. Uh, and I like that. I really appreciate that because it takes away that guilt that we all feel when we take sick days, which really sucks that that's that that's kind of how our culture has decided to think about that. Yeah, gosh, I'm I'm bad and have in the past been really bad about taking sick days and kind of prided myself on the fact that, like, well, even if I'm sick, I'll go in and it'll be fine. Yeah, I but think a lot I'm of people do, yeah. Yeah, I mean, definitely. And I'm literally serving food to people. Like, I'm very careful when I am sick and when I go to work. But at the same time, like, so this last time when I was sick, I, I said to myself, no, you're not doing this again. So I took two days off. It was really good and necessary. And I think that it made a big difference in me getting better faster I'm still kind of sick, but we're getting there. And yeah, I mean, do it. Just just do it if you can. If if you are able to, then please take those sick days because it's incredibly important for not only your own health and well-being, but the well-being of those around you. So we are going to do a bonus episode for our patron-only listeners uh, about our favorite sick day activities. We wanted to make it a little bit happier for you all and do um, kind of a fun 
bonus episode for everyone. So also, we wanted to hear from you, our listeners, about what it is that you do when you're sick in your polycule, in your community, how you help other people around you stay safe from your sickness, how uh, you like best you know, help the environment in terms of your surfaces. If you go on a disinfecting spree like Dedeker does, if you sing the happy birthday song as well, <laughs> like what you do regarding all of that. Tell us um, how you're staying mentally healthy also. That oh, too. Yeah. That's that. what I was literally about to say. Yeah, just how are you staying healthy during this time? Because it is a little bit scary for some people and we just are there for you and are in solidarity with all of you in terms of mental health as well. Because, yeah those things can get scary. So the best place to talk about all of this and share your thoughts with other listeners is on this episode's discussion thread and our private Facebook group or Discord chat. You can get access to these groups and join our exclusive community by going to patreon.com slash multiamory. In addition, you can share with us publicly on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. You can email us at info at multiamory.com. Multiamory is created and produced by Jace Lindgren, Dedeker Winston, and me, Emily Matlack. Our episodes are edited by Mauricio Balvanera. Our social media wizard is Will McMillan. Our production assistants are Rachel, Rachel Shenowark and Carson Collins. Our theme song is Forms I Know I Did by Josh and Anand from the Fractal Cave EP. The full transcript is available on this episode's page on multiamory.com.